this isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day! Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host for this podcast trip to my favorite city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, before we get things underway, I just want to take a moment to thank my guest from the last episode of the show, Jeff Schumacher, who is the Senior Content Director for the National Museum of Organized Crime and Law Enforcement, better known as the Mob Museum. We had an awesome conversation all about the history of organized crime in Las Vegas, including some of the myths and legends surrounding the mob in Sin City, and some of the very cool and unique artifacts on display at the museum. If you haven't had a chance to listen yet, head to wherever you get your podcasts and check out episode number 22 of the show. Also, I wanted to say thanks to everyone who's headed to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com and filled out the audience survey. I've been going over the feedback coming in and attempting to make some adjustments to the show, hopefully to your satisfaction. I want to make this your favorite Vegas-related podcast, so please keep the feedback coming. Let's start things off with Vegas news you can use. We begin with a few rumors being reported by our pals over at VitalVegas.com surrounding the SLS Las Vegas. First off, word is the SLS is looking at a rebrand in 2020, making the change to become the Grand Sahara Resort. Now, this is a bit of a throwback for the property as they operated as the Sahara from 1952 to 2011 when the resort closed down. After a $415 million, 18-month-long renovation, it reopened in August of 2014 as the SLS. Entertainment-wise, there's a few rumors floating around as well. There's word that the hugely successful Magic Mike Live might be making the move from the current Hard Rock Hotel slash soon-to-be Virgin Hotel over to a $10 million custom theater space at the SLS. Another rumor involves longtime strip fixture Frank Marino bringing his female impersonator show Divas Las Vegas to the SLS. Marino's long-running show at the Link closed down rather suddenly last summer after some allegedly shady dealings related to soliciting charitable donations that never actually made it to the charity. Word is that the new Divas show will run six nights a week. Vital Vegas is usually pretty bang on with their stuff, so expect formal announcements on all of this in the coming weeks. A lucky slot player is the newest millionaire in Las Vegas, thanks to a $1.8 million win. The guest was playing a $1 Wheel of Fortune machine at the Venetian, playing $5 a spin when they scored the $1,883,896 progressive jackpot. First reports of the big win started coming in back on May the 11th. 
Now, the winner, whose name hasn't been released yet, joins other recent Big Vegas winners. Back at the start of May, a California visitor picked up over $954,000, also from a Wheel of Fortune machine, over at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And another slots player won a $13.1 million Megabucks jackpot at Sunset Station in Henderson after inserting $40 and playing for less than two minutes. And big news for the Neon Museum. They've announced a major expansion as they've acquired a new building located across Las Vegas Boulevard from their current location. The 32,000 square foot space will provide room for an indoor gallery, storage for the collection of vintage signs, and other facilities as well. The building will be called NE10 after Neon's chemical symbol and atomic number. Work is set to begin on the expansion this summer with completion in early 2020. Now, for those unfamiliar, the Neon Museum features several classic neon signs that used to grace casinos on both the Las Vegas Strip and Fremont Street, as well as signs from other local Las Vegas businesses. The big attraction is the Neon Boneyard Park, which includes signage from the Stardust, the Sands, Caesars Palace, the Hard Rock Hotel, and others. And at night, LED projectors are used to reanimate the signs with a show set to vintage music. And that's Vegas news you can use. On to the show. My goal for this episode of the podcast is to literally have you drooling by the end of the show. This time around, we're talking food. More specifically, we're talking about a Vegas staple, prime rib. With the exception, perhaps, of the shrimp cocktail, there really isn't another meal that people so closely associate with Las Vegas. It's literally everywhere. You can't walk through a casino without seeing posters advertising it. It seems like almost every restaurant has it on the menu, and it's being carved and served up at every buffet. Joining me this time around is another one of my Vegas friends, Kristen De Silva. In real life, Kristen is a content producer with Fox 5 News in Las Vegas, but off the clock, she's a prime rib aficionado. If you follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen De Silva, you'll find photos of her prime rib adventures through Las Vegas. And I myself have had the pleasure of enjoying a prime rib meal with Kristen. You can check out my review of that experience back in episode 10 of the podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Kristen De Silva. First off, I always like to uh, get to know my guests a little bit and just chat a little bit and find out a little bit about them. So, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, how long have you been in Vegas? Um, your your background, your professional background, your personal background, all the the pertinent information about about Kristen De Silva. It's actually funny. I was born in Connecticut, but I have no connection to Connecticut whatsoever. Um, we came here. My family moved out here just to honestly escape the snow when I was four. So I've been in <laughs> Vegas as long as I can remember. Um, but it's great. I mean, I loved I was actually just talking the other day about how people always say there's cliches from growing up here. But I always argued there wasn't because I grew up in a suburb anyway. And so. Um, you know, it wasn't anything special than anywhere else. And then I mentioned how my aunt used to gamble all day long at, um, the rampart and she would give me my lunch money in buckets of nickels. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, you know what, maybe that is a Vegas specific thing, but, um, 
but it was it's fun um you know to tie into our to our incoming conversation i grew to really love cliches of las vegas and um you know my identity is this place and i love it with all my heart which is great so i uh i never left all my friends all they wanted to do was leave and um you know as soon as they turned 18 they went to new york or to portland a lot of them went to portland everyone went to portland and um you know i decided that and i i think i never wanted to leave vegas i just uh you know there's just too much you can get here that you can't get anywhere else, you know, including primary four in the morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah. So I stayed and then I, um, always was interested in being a journalist. Um, you know, in fifth grade, I was the movie critic in our weekly newsletter and, um, it turned into, um, an early career at the newspaper, the review journal. And, uh, you know, and then last year I moved into TV, which has been interesting in itself, but also wonderful. And, um, so I've been doing TV news as a content producer for about a year and a half now. So that is where I am at. It's funny that you talk about um, your friends all wanting to move away. And that seems to be kind of a a really odd common thread of, mm-hmm. you know, the friends that I've talked to th- that live down in Vegas, that still live in Vegas, that grew up there. And they say, yeah, like all my friends just wanted to move away. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wanted to get out. I mean, I don't know if that's just like suburb life or what that is, you know, the whole small town mentality. But, you know, I mean, none of them had a chance to experience Las Vegas before they left Las Vegas. And a few of my friends came crawling back a few years later, you know, because the a place with no sun is depressing or everything's expensive everywhere else. And, you know, but that's the thing. A lot of them left before they had a chance to actually experience it. So that was what was disappointing. That's so weird and so odd. I, I just, like I say, I find it very bizarre that just everybody just, yeah, I want to get away. Like, I mean, I have friends back home in Winnipeg that still live within, you know, a two mile radius of where they grew up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so odd. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about it and, you know, with the, the cliches and such, but I mean, how, how did you, this is such an odd question that I never thought I'd be <laughs> asking someone. How did you get into prime rib? <laughs> um, yeah. So like I said, embracing the cliches, I, um, you know, I love, neon and i love the old west history and i love shrimp cocktails and i love everything that can be offered in a casino at a weird hour and uh well that sounds odd um don't take that the wrong way (laughs) but um but no i um you know it's i think it's it's not so much that i sought it out i think you know the prime rib life chose me um (laughs) because i live a life where i need a hearty meal at three in the morning sometimes and because of the way Vegas history shaped our uh, our offerings, that's just what's around. Um, and you can get it at any casino pretty much at any hour. And, you know, it's it's always a, you know, the prime rib specials have always, always, always been a thing in, in Vegas casinos in one way or another. I mean, a lot of the local casinos have their like in-house cafes that have always had specials. And um, El Cortez has been known for having theirs since I think when they opened in the 40s. And uh, it was one of the most offered meals across the board through the 90s almost. And uh, so I think it's just an accessibility thing almost. But I also just really love prime rib because it's a great cut of meat. So it just kind of works in both both favors. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it's just accessibility mostly. I don't know. It chose me. <laughs> the prime rib life chose me. I feel like that needs to be on a T-shirt. right (laughs) and and, i mean it's weird that i can't really think of another 
food item in Las Vegas, with maybe the exception of um, the, the shrimp cocktail that's yeah. that's so closely associated with Las Vegas. I mean, is there any any history or any documentation as to why that's a thing? So, you know, it's funny because you mentioned the shrimp cocktail and that has a really easily traced um, background because the Golden Gate Casino famously offered their 99 shrimp cocktail. And it was a beautiful shrimp cocktail in a tulip glass, with, you know, the little mini shrimp and the sauce dribbling down. It was awesome. And um, they were really famous for that for a long time. And uh, their cafe ended up being changed into Ducars, um, which continued the offering, but raised the price a little bit. I think it was two ninety nine. Um, up until they closed, but they closed a few years ago. So now the only place offering the classic 99 shrimp cocktail is the Fremont Hotel, I believe. But it's uh, in a little cup. It's not exactly the same presentation as it once was. Um, but that, but the Golden Gate kind of started a trend with that one. And so it's, it's easily traced, which is great because the Golden Gate's one of the original hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Prime Rib, you know what's funny is I actually in preparation, tried to find if there was any specific reason why the prime rib was the meat. And um, there's no, there's no documentation. No one wrote it down. No one really traced it. It's not really, it just was. Um, And I think it's because it's an easy cut of meat um, to present as being very expensive without being actually very expensive. So I think it's just a marketing ploy, honestly, (laughs) but it works because I buy it all the time. Right. Um, but it's good. I mean, it is a good cut of meat. Um, I think a lot of it was automatic um, associations with the word prime because you think prime and you think prime USDA cut, which tells you it's a very fancy cut of meat. But the prime and prime rib has nothing to do with the USDA. Um, so, you know, I think it's just it all comes down to marketing. <laughs> as <laughs> as it so often seems to in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess, you know, you and I have had the pleasure. I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of sharing prime rib meal with you, which has, you know, was, was awesome and probably one of the best meals this fat kid's ever eaten in Las Vegas. Um, if you had to pick, I mean, I guess we can kind of break this down into a couple of different categories. We can break it down into, you know, on the strip, off the strip, where the locals go. Mm-hmm. What would you say? I mean, on the strip, is there a, a specific or a, a particular place that really has amazingly awesome prime rib? On the strip is the hardest question for me because I'm never on the strip. But, um, you know, they are. OK, so it's a loophole because it's way far on the strip. But South Point, which is technically on the strip, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I am going to say South Point is the winner there because they have the restaurant primarily prime rib. Um, which is known for serving five different cuts of uh, uh, prime rib. And uh, the biggest cut they have, I believe, is called the cowboy cut. Let me double check that real quick. Um, But it's a massive, massive, massive piece of meat, and it's delicious. And they fit in the mid-range affordable level. So they uh, definitely, I think, win the prize when it comes to prime rib offerings on the strip. Now, when you say a massive cut of meat, how, how massive are we talking here? So... At primarily prime rib at South Point, they have the South Point cut, which is their most popular cut at 10 ounces, and it's $20. The cowboy cut is 26 ounces of red meat with bone in, and it's great. It's a double cut prime rib, um, so it's, you know, from two two ribs, essentially, but it's $32 for 26 ounces of meat, which is insane. (laughs) 
I'm getting the meat sweats just thinking about that, but it's <laughs> it's in my head. I'm picturing it, and it's just it's glorious. I'm just it is. I'm, I'm already I'm making the list for the next trip down here. Um, so I guess then uh, off the strip, and I know this is a tough one because there's a lot of places off the strip that do serve amazing prime rib. Yeah. Um, can I break this down into three further categories? You can break it down any way you want. All right. Off the strip, I'm going to categorize it three ways. The fanciest and the best uh, atmospheric experience that you can get eating prime rib um, has to go to Lowry's, which is the classic. Um, actually, not classic for Las Vegas. It's classic for L.A. It opened in, the I think, the 30s in L.A. And then they opened one in Las Vegas in 97. Mm-hmm. Um, but it fits the original. The everything, everything down to the waitress uniforms is original. And it really is an experience with their meat um, down from the presentation because they cut it right in front of you and serve it to you like with a little buffet style kind of cart. Um, wow. <laughs> but the, the meat quality that they have is unrivaled. It's, it's literally melt in your mouth. Amazing. It's seriously one of the best pieces of meat I've ever had in my life. It's seriously so good. <laughs> um, but it's a little pricier, so it's to be expected. But they also have amazing desserts. So you really can't go wrong there. But my favorite affordable prime rib has to go to Ellis Island. Uh, Ellis Island is on Flamingo and Caldwell, so just off the strip, just barely off the strip, um, kind of right around the corner from Tuscany. Mm-hmm. So they have a prime rib special at $16.99. Um, it's a massive piece of meat. Again, theirs is so clean. It, I don't think I've ever gotten it with a piece of fat on it, which is wonderful because that's a really big issue with the budget cuts is that they usually have a lot of fat, so the weight is kind of... Eh, it's mostly fat, but mm. theirs is a beautiful kind of meat. Absolutely no fat on it. Uh, I think it's sixteen ninety nine. You get a potato and vegetable with it, um, but their meat is always perfectly, perfectly cooked. I don't think I've ever gotten over or undercooked or ever been unsatisfied with a piece of meat at Ellis Island. Uh, for my third one that I have to choose, it's definitely this is the locals go place. Is um, Bob Taylor's Ranch House up in the far northwest valley. It's one of the oldest restaurants in Las Vegas, I believe, because it opened, I think, in the 50s. Uh, It's literally a ranch. Now there's a lot more built around it. At the time when it opened, there was nothing around it. Um, It's really cool. It's it's Bob Taylor's Ranch House and Supper Club is the full name. And it's very unassuming because you go up there and the lettering is still kind of googie style. And it's an actual ranch. And then you walk in and it's a fine dining restaurant. Uh, you know, cloth napkins and all. And it was cool because that place has a lot of history in that it's never really been the destination. It's usually left off a lot of lists. Um, But every strip performer from the 50s to the 80s ate there at least once. Um, And they have proof of it, you know, and there's, there's tons of archive photos of, you know, Barbara Streisand and you know, anyone who pretty much came through Vegas at the time. You mentioned that it, it's one of those places that it gets left off of these lists. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Because I know like when you you start digging into, you know, you go online, you start researching, you know, if you're planning a trip and you want to try pick restaurants and maybe adventure a little bit off the strip, you know, there are all the standard places that seem to pop up, places like the Golden Steer and, and you know, mm-hmm. Herbs and Rye and places like that. But yeah, this place, that that never shows up. Yeah, I you know, I think because we're lazy and it's a distance issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean getting an Uber out there is probably not exactly as cheap as it is to get to downtown from the strip. And um 
you know, because it, it's it, it's in the far Northwest Valley. It's pretty far for me to drive and I don't really mind driving that often. But yeah, I guess for, for somebody staying on this trip, I mean, it's 100% worth going. I 100% recommend it to every single person coming to Las Vegas. Uh, but, but yeah, I think it's just the distance thing. Um, but, you know, the flavor and the experience and even the cost of eating there will 100% make up for the ride out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one. That their their costs are very low. And I think Mondays they do by the ounce and it's $1.25 an ounce. Oh, wow. Which, which for how good their meat is, is an amazing deal. So definitely watch out for that. You mentioned uh, Ellis Island and that was where you you took me when I came mm-hmm. to town. And yeah, I mean, I got to say like that was probably one of the best, you know, 2 a.m. meals I've ever had in my life. Um, you know, the, the meat, you know, you mentioned how, how great it was. Yeah. I mean, you, you cut this with a butter knife, like it's, you know, an, an amazing and the pricing when, I mean, I find that in general, when you go off the strip anyways, but mm-hmm. I mean, at Ellis Island, like, you know, 1699 for this giant meal just absolutely blew me away considering, you know, earlier that day I had gone out for, you know, a, a venti mocha and a muffin and that was $12. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just absolutely amazing to to be able to to have that kind of a a dining experience for that price is just mm-hmm. you know uh, unbelievable. Now this is a, always a fun part. This is kind of where we get to maybe throw some places under the bus to a certain degree. <laughs> Are there any places that people should stay away from? Uh, you know, I don't really like to talk bad about places, but. <laughs> I do have to say I've tried the prime rib a few times at silver sevens and I've never had a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I want to go into detail why, but I will just say that it was not a, an enjoyable meal all three times that I went there. Uh, so that was a little disappointing because they, they had a really good deal. I think at the time when I went, it was a seven seventy seven deal, which is kind of a throwback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something you mentioned is that, the, the cost at Ellis Island is, uh, I think it's definitely a throwback to the other properties because back in the day when prime rib was, was king, it's, uh, on every, every marquee along the strip, but everyone's competing their prices. So, you know, it's two ninety nine prime rib dinner here, one, one ninety nine prime rib dinner there. So I think keeping the prices low is definitely a throwback to that, but, but yeah, so the seven seventy seven meal, uh, definitely did not work in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other any other places around town that people really should go and check out? Um, yeah, you mentioned Golden Steer. I mean, that's that's another classic Las Vegas. It has more history than than most places in town. And um, you know, I've actually only seen pictures, but I have because um, I've yet to experience it. But I, I, every single person who talks to me about Prime Rib asks me if I've been there, and then they get mad when I say I haven't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. You know, but um, but yeah, that's definitely number one. I mean, if you're looking for really budget budget, I have to give a shout out to El El Cortez downtown. Um, El Cortez is one of the oldest properties in Las Vegas. I think it's the oldest one downtown now besides uh, Golden Gate. I think it opened in 1941, but in their in-house restaurant, it used to be their cafe as well. Um, Siegel's 1941. They have uh, 1295 prime rib dinner. And it's pretty decent and it's served 24 hours. So you really can't go wrong there if you're looking for a really cheap meal. Maryland's Cafe at the Tuscany. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's another one. It's, um, they have a really, another budget affordable meal. It's, uh, I believe, under $20. 
Um, they are also well known for their extremely gigantic cuts. Um, and same thing, it's usually offered around the clock. Um, sometimes it's just availability because if they have a convention in town, you know, they'll run out pretty early. Right. Um, but if you, but on most days you can get that at all hours and it's a really, really nice cut of meat, but the, uh, the sides are also fantastic at Maryland's. So that's another definite recommendation. Um, and then my last recommendation off the top of my head would have to be at Jerry's Nugget, the famous coffee shop. Theirs is totally classic too. And, um, it's, it's another one. It's off strip. It's further. It's in North Las Vegas, technically. Uh, but Jerry's Nugget uh, has a lot of really special things inside inside that cafe. They're known for their pies and their desserts. Um, and they're also known for their prime rib special, which I believe is also under $20. And uh, it really is fantastic. And you talk, I mean, you're talking a lot about places that are off the strip. And, and, and that's, that's awesome because, you know, I find, and I'm finding this more and more the more time I spend down there. The, it feels like the the best places are off the strip. Yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> I think that goes for pretty much anything that you're looking for, mm-hmm. except I guess Cirque du Soleil shows, because the one on Boulder Highway is probably not that great. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think most things, you know, if you're not looking for five money sign restaurants, then you can find a lot of great stuff in Las Vegas off the strip. And, you know, it's one of my favorite thing when I have people come to town, you know, the, the joke when you live here is that everyone, the only time you go to strip is when you have family in town and they want to go, you know, gamble Caesars or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing is showing my friends and family everything that we have to offer off the strip because we have so much and we have so much good food. You know, we're spoiled for Thai food. I was just talking about that the other day. And, um, you know, you don't find any of that on the strip unless you're paying an absorbent amount of money. And so I think, you know, that, that goes for a lot of things, but, um, but yeah, prime rib, I think definitely wins when it comes to off the strip these days, not it didn't used to be that way, but now it's 100% better off the strip. Are there any, any places that do that, you know, of that do those amazing off menu offerings? Cause you always hear about that and it's kind of the, you know, the locals insider, the secret kind of stuff or stuff you only find out about if, you know, you got, you've got a connection and you've got an in. Um, here's where I disappoint you. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. Um, I don't think I have the connects. No, um, you know, it's funny cause a lot of the off menu stuff is like, quote quote off menu because it's on a sandwich board outside the restaurant or something else you know or on their instagram all the time mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of different um different ways to to market the off menu is it really off menu if it's on a sandwich board who knows <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i i really do appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me about this i mean i know I know it's a subject that's near and dear to your heart yes. <laughs> and, and you, you've made it a bit of a mission for yourself to, to get around and experience all these prime ribs. Yeah. I, it's funny. I realized how much prime rib I eat uh, last year and I decided it would just be fun to track it. And so now I post on my Instagram every single time I have one. And uh, honestly, this month I'm a little slacking, um, but I've had about 20 this year and that's not 20 different places. But I am trying really hard to get around to as many places as possible in Las Vegas to have the prime rib or re-experience it. Like I mentioned, Bob Taylor's, I haven't been there in years. Um, so 
I really want to try every prime rib that Las Vegas has to offer uh, for no other reason than just to say that I did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's no need for a prime rib expert anywhere, but, you know, I might as well be it. (laughs) Sports fans have got their thing where they need to get around and go to, you know, every NFL stadium or every, every MLB park or every NHL arena. You need to eat every prime rib in Vegas. Yes. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> yes. I also need to visit my doctor and get my heart checked. <laughs> Watch those cholesterol levels. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat. And, uh, and my goal was to make sure that listeners were drooling by the end of this. And I feel like they absolutely will be because, yeah, I, I want to go and get a prime rib. So next time I'm in town, we need to go do that. Yes. Yeah. We'll hit up South Point next. Yes. I want that cowboy cut. That's what I want. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Kristen, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And that pretty much wraps things up for this episode of the podcast. If you've got comments or feedback on the show, or you're looking for help planning your upcoming Vegas vacation and you need suggestions on where to stay, where to eat, or what to do, please feel free to reach out via social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, or drop me an email direct, Jeff at WalkerNewMedia.com. Before I get out of here, I do have a couple of quick plugs I want to toss out. If you're going to be in Vegas at the start of June and you want a chance to score a date with a hot firefighter, then this is the event for you. The Flirt with Fire Bachelor Auction goes down at the Foundry inside the SLS Las Vegas on Saturday, June 8th. It's a chance for you to bid on special date packages with a Las Vegas firefighter and help out a great cause as funds raised go to the Burn Foundation. For tickets and info, visit theburnfoundation.org. Two of my very dear Vegas friends, Lisa Marie Smith and Lauren Ashley Fraser, are going to be taking part in a great event coming up at the Smith Center as the David Perico Pop Strings Orchestra presents The Music of Disney. This is going to be a fantastic show, and if you're in town and want to escape from the Strip, this is a great way to do it goes down Friday, June 21st with tickets and details available at thesmithcenter.com. Hockey fans, get ready for this event. Superstar NHL goaltender, five-time Stanley Cup winner, two-time Canada Cup winner, and 2003 Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr is coming to the space at Polaris and Harmon on July 6th for an exclusive screening of the documentary Making Coco, The Grant Fuhr Story. The screening will be followed up by an intimate Q&A with the legendary player, tickets and info available at thespacelv.com. Friday nights in Vegas are always a blast, but if you want to check out some awesome music and entertainment away from the Strip, head to the Piazza Lounge at the Tuscany Suites and Casino for Kenny Davidson's Celebrity Piano Bar. My pal Kenny is joined on stage every week by his close friends, and you never know who might show up. Show gets underway at 8.45. And don't forget about Monday's Dark at The Space. Twice a month, host Mark Chinook is joined by his Vegas friends for a night of music and more as they raise 10 k in 90 minutes for a local Las Vegas charity. Tickets start at just $20 and are available online along with charity info and show dates at mondaysdark.com. 
As for my own upcoming Las Vegas trips, the countdown is on. I am less than three weeks away from my next big trip. I'm planning on being in town from June 16th to 20th with a lovely stay booked at Bally's. I've stayed there a few times before, but I've never had a chance to review it for the podcast, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Also excited to be spending some quality time with my Vegas family and maybe even meet up with a few podcast listeners and connect with some fellow Vegas podcasters while I'm in town. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are uploaded. Side note, I'm headed off on a non-Vegas vacation for a couple of weeks, meaning no new shows until June 17th, which means you'll have lots of time to get caught up on past episodes of the podcast. You can find those at jeffdoesvegas.com, where you'll also find info on the Jeff Does Vegas patron program, meaning access to exclusive patron-only content, including ad-free VIP editions of the show. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 23 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production. Thank you.